Fiddler. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe it. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. That's a lot better. Hello, welcome to another very exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast willing to leverage Andrew Tate's publicity in Romania for its own personal gain. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and as per usual, I am joined by the Dark Prince of Brookvale, Media Watch Mario. Welcome aboard, sir. Oh, what a pleasure to be recording after about 47 years break. I believe Parramatta have won 18 grand finals since we were last recorded. Is that how it works? It has been a little while, mate. I think the last time we switched the mics on, it was in the late 70s, and I was still using Brill Cream. What the listeners don't understand is that the the occasional tweets that you did put out in the last few months of being in jail were actually tweets done by Andrew Tate. A highly misunderstood man. I mean, look, yeah, sure, he's a misogynist provocateur, but what people don't understand is some women like that. That's right. I'm sure the women that he raped and, you know, sold into sexual slavery also didn't didn't secretly mind at all. Allegedly, mate. Make, make sure. That is a theme of this show, that we sneak <laughs> in that word allegedly, because being sued isn't fun. He's allegedly a complete piece of shit, and I hope he dies painfully. Allegedly. Not to put too fine a point on it. Look, it, it is exciting to be back, Mario. Um, I Just a quick question for you. How do we do this again? Because I've completely forgotten. Actually, I remember... I look up NRL.com and cram a kilo's worth of orange Tic Tacs up my nose and sneeze aggressively. That was the sort of mode I was in well, usually when we you finished just, off last season. I, I believe usually you just mumble incoherently. I just yell incoherently about Des Hasler and Xander sits there going, Roosters to win, Roosters to win, rugby, rugby, rugby. Murray, it's come to my attention, mate, that you're a bit of an NRL podcaster influencer. Um, I understand you're one of the most in-demand podcasting uh, identities online, is that right? Uh, I mean, recording one episode of Hypothetic RL is probably not quite the highest profile podcasting going around, but, you know, it's it's nice to be wanted. Well, I guess the point I'm trying to make here, Mario, is I want to know, you know, as a TVT host, when you go gallivanting off onto other podcasts, in your mind, does this qualify as podcasting infidelity? No, because I don't think we ever, you know, stated that monogamy was a requirement of being part of the TVT family. I think, you know, we're all just rugby league halls in this big wide world out there trying to talk shit to as many people are willing to listen to our shit. Okay, so we're in an open podcasting relationship, are we? I think so. I think you've just discovered okay. that. No, I have. I mean, we should have probably had an explicit conversation about that because uh, I've remained very loyal to you, Mario. I've had plenty of offers. Uh, but I've decided no. Uh, Media Watch Mario is where my bread's buttered. Um, I want to know this: Have you signed any contracts? Because whatever they're paying you, I'll double it. <laughs> Excellent. I'll... Okay. So, what is double of zero? Because I'm I'm demanding that immediately. I'll give you four Greg McCullum blowjobs instead of the two that David's given you. I think you'll you'll have people lining up to join the podcast if you're making you know lucrative offers like that. He's a friend of the pod, mate. I'm sure I can arrange it. For a small fee. Um, now, look, instead of you speaking on today's show, because you have been on several other podcasts pre-season already, should we just leave a bunch of references and footnotes in the show notes 
for TVT, and that way people can just go off and see what you've seen on the public record. The other content that I've been uh, a part of creating, it certainly wasn't rugby league related, it was only Dungeons and Dragons related, so if people want to go see me on YouTube, they're more than welcome to search D&D Play 20 on YouTube and look up the Dragonlance stream and they'll see my lovely, lovely face. And that's definitely in air quotes. Excellent. There's so many sides to you, Murray. That's what I love about you. You're a, you're an avid NRL fan. You love your NBA. You're huge into Dungeon and Dragons, and you're a bit of a fan of neo-Nazism. So um, I'll tell you what, it, it's hard to pin you down to a particular identity, and I appreciate that. Uh, but <clears throat> I'm going to start off with some technology news because you know I'm a little bit of a you know a, t- a tech fiend, mate. And um, I don't know if you saw this story, but the NRL has unveiled a brand new fleet of drone cameras. Uh, to be launched this year. They're going to be pretty amazing. We're going to get some great aerial shots. Apparently, the resolution is out of sight. Well, they were. Obviously, Joe Biden's already had them shot down, but it was good while it lasted in the trials, Mario. Everyone that has listened to this podcast will know that you are an avid Manly fan. Let's start there because, obviously, we spent um, you know the majority of the off-season bashing the hell out of Anthony Seabold, and obviously, <laughs> I took great delight when he was appointed to the helm of the Manly Seagulls because I knew it would shit, just shit you uh, up the wall. And, of course, you know, I got a lot of glee out of that. But having seen the trials, mate, you've taken out that pre-season comp I mean, with a great level of prestige and uh, you've taken out whatever prize money was on offer. Is that enough evidence for you to suggest that Anthony Seabold, you know, the Harvard coach, that maybe he is the right man for the job over there at Brookvale? I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, you look at it, how many trophies have been won in the 2020s? One by the Storm, two by the Panthers, one by the Seagulls. So really, Mm. there's only two teams that have got as many or more trophies as us. Anthony Seabold is clearly the second coming. And I don't think there's any doubt about that Brisbane were the problem or wasn't him that was the problem. You know, they were just desperate to get Kevy in his place all along, and that's worked out great for them, clearly. So I mm. I have absolutely no doubt that, you know, Manly... I mean, put it this way, Manly are going to finish above the Roosters on the on the ladder, just a spoiler, because I did my ladder predictor today, and that was the results that I came up with. Uh, Mario, is that the same ladder predictor that you've created out of old McDonald's calendars? No, this is the one that I have done from mcdonald's monopoly games you know that always fun thing i just put a whole bunch of them together allocated different um values to the prizes that were on offer and when i put it all in a hat and out i drew historically mario i'm, I'm interested in this how accurate has your pre-season ladder predictions been over the years um, I mean, if we're being honest, probably about as accurate as anybody else's. I, I do believe I had the Cowboys pegged for last place in 2022. So that was a, a particularly accurate prediction by me. Before we get on to all of that, I do want to stick on Manly and get your sincere predictions for how you think Manly will go this year with Anthony Seabolt at the helm. And obviously, I think you've got Shane Flanagan over there in the 2IC role. It really is a an executive from hell, isn't it? But... I mean, I want to know, I've seen two or three interviews with Seabold in the last couple of weeks, and he's talked a lot about flipping over a new leaf. I mean, do you believe this? Do you think that he has learned a lot from the calamity that was his tenure with the Brisbane Broncos? Because you'd you'd hope so, because when he left Brisbane, he essentially had about 17 or 18 players hoping to kill him. Pre-season rhetoric is the same at every club 
ultimately they're all going to talk the talk and I think we'll have a much better idea come round one uh, which is thankfully only a few days away uh, what exactly is how it's going to all play out I'm mostly happy with the lineup that Manly posted today but there were a, a couple of little things that stood out for me that I could be happier about but We'll, we'll just see how they go. I mean, Sean Kepi at lock doesn't exactly fill me with glee, but there's something about that guy that he, Des believed he was a player. No one else did. And now apparently Seabold does too. So we'll find out if there's any reason behind that in, in a couple of days' time. I noticed Tom Trebojevic is named at fullback, mate. Was that expected? I thought he was supposed to still be out for a few weeks. No, well, I wasn't expecting him to be playing at 5'8 or prop. So, yeah, fullback was the expected position for him. But to be starting at all, Barrio, I mean, I, I, I thought he was still coming back from his 17th hamstring injury. No, as far as I know, that was never in doubt. I, they said a few weeks ago, I think it was, that he was definitely going to be starting round one. So basically, the return of Tom Turbo is going to make the return of James Tedesco look like the return of Clint Gutherson. So, you know, people come back have come back pretty well from injuries before, and this is going to be the greatest comeback from injury you'll ever see because Tom Turbo will get his second Dallium this year. I put it to you, Mario, that there's an outside chance that Tom Turbo's return could be a bit more like Jaws Returns in Jaws Revenge. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I think it was the fourth in the instalment. And essentially, Jaws followed the family to the Bahamas and also tried to kill Michael Caine. I don't know if you remember that movie or not. But there's a chance that uh, Tom Trebojevic's comeback could be more like that, in that it would be a lot of bloodshed and ultimately you'll leave disappointed. I mean, I would say it'd be a lot like Jaws in that everybody is going to be terrified when they see him on the field. It's just going to be like he, he'll smell the blood in the water and will be chomping down upon the corpses of his slain. Mm, I love starting a podcast with such graphic imagery. Um, speaking of which, I, I, again, not to harp on Jaws, but now that it's in my head, I can't let this go. Um, <laughs> What was, I think, most perplexing for the viewers of that show was um, the family that had lost a lot of family members to Jaws already in the first couple of movies, in their grief, decided to go to the Bahamas and Jaws beat them there. Amazing speed for a shark. But we we won't linger on it uh, because I do want to talk a little bit more about Manly. Now, I did notice on the bench, uh, the 15th Trebojevic brother, um, we've got Ben Trebojevic. What role do you think he will play this season. We've seen a little bit of him already. I haven't minded what I've seen, but I'm a little bit confused as to what his position is. I want to go to the manly expertise in your corner here. Where should Ben be playing in the Triple I'm hopeful that Ben will... I'm hoping that Ben will spend most of his season playing in reserve grade because from what we saw of him He's last that bad, year... is he? Uh, last year he was terrible. He was not first grade standard at all. Not any period of time last year. I really hope that that changes and I really hope that I get abused by Manly fans left, right and centre for how good he is and how I was wrong. I was so wrong. But at the moment, I've seen nothing from him to suggest he should be in the 18, uh, in the 17, sorry. And what the hell What the hell is he doing there? I'm sorry. His surname is the only reason he's in the team. 
and if he can produce some actual decent play to not just get some make-a-wish passes from Jake and Tom to try and get him a try here and there, because that's about all he's offered so far. He almost does look like the deep fake version of Tom Dravoyevich, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, Tom Dravoyevich. He does. In that, yeah, he's about 78, 90, like 80% Tom, but you can tell it's not quite right. I actually think you might be a little bit uncharitable there, Murray. I mean, he's only had a spackling of games, really. And I actually think I've seen some some glimmers of, of genuine skill there. I know he made a, a few errors and he was spent a lot of time injured. He seems to have a little bit of the biscuit mentality of Tom, uh, which is probably more of a worry because, you know, I think the three or four games that I saw him play, I think three of them, uh, he went off injured during those matches. So that could be a little concern. But I think back to early Tom Trebojevic. Now, I don't think he necessarily week to week set the grass on fire. I do remember him, I think it was in his debut game, but I think he ran a length of the field to score in the corner, ended up being a no try. I don't know if you remember that game or not, but... You know, he, he started out, Tom, with a burst. But having said, I don't think he actually strung that consistency for at least a couple of seasons, if my memory serves me correctly. So maybe there's hope for, for Ben here. Look, I see Ben Turbo so far as having the penetration of Jake Turbo without the work rate. So you think he's good in the sack, uh, but he doesn't sort of go for long enough. He climaxes early. Well, I mean, I think if if you're in the sack and you've got Jake Turbo's penetration, then you're probably not really satisfying anybody. No, that's right. That's just my masturbation or fantasy, mate. But we won't go into that here. One guy that I've never really rated, uh, he's come down from the he's come up from the Melbourne Storm system. That's Cooper Johns. Now, in the in the trials, he's actually proved to be quite effective. Now, trials are trials. It's hard to sort of judge uh, people's impact on the basis of games when they're. They're not at full strength, and people are going 75%, 80%. Oh, nice excuses when the Roosters lost to us. No, well, I think we were trying. I think that was the worry. But um, I would like to get your take on Cooper Johns. Could he be a, a genuine fit and replacement for Kieran Foran there in the six? Uh, I, I'm so torn on this because I was hoping... I have nothing against Cooper Johns, but I was hoping not to see him basically play first grade this year because Schuster is supposed to be the guy... What are we doing here? You know, Schuster, first week comes along and already he's not there. I'm just really concerned. But at the same time, what we saw of Cooper in the trials, as you said, was pretty good. And so if he can just be pretty good and feed the good players that we've got, I think, you know, if Garrick's going to play on the left, uh, on the wing, which is not where I was hoping he'd play. I did hope he'd be in the centers. But... You know, we're stuck with Brad Parker there anyway. I think we've got at least, you know, Parker has shown that he's pretty good at feeding Garrick over on that side. So all Johns really has to do is get it to Parker to who'll get it to Garrick. And Garrick's shown very well the last season that he can do his job very well. So we've got enough penetration there just. It, it's a lot of it depends on what we're offering at, on the left edge. I want to see how that goes before I'm really passing judgment. I think a lot of what Cooper Johns can do sitting on our left is going to come down to who he's got around him. I mean, Schuster's injured though, isn't he, Mario? Just to confirm. They haven't uh, dropped him. He's been no, no, no. Yeah. injured pretty Yes, he's injured. But uh, it's just a concern that he's had this whole off-season. He set out the World Cup. He missed the Samoa in the World Cup final where he probably would have been in that team, most likely. And yet he still managed to be injured for round one. And it's just... It's not a great sign. But it does sound like you're pretty confident of his ability to be a, 
a starting playmaker. What, what are you basing that on? What have you seen about Schuster that suggests he could be a week-in, week-out effective number six? Oh, I'm not even sure we've seen enough to say that he can. It's more that everybody seems confident that, who, that he can in, in the Manly setup. It, it seems like he's the guy and has been for a long time. He's been the plan for number six. So I just have to trust that they've seen enough you know, we've seen mm. some really good skill from him in 2021 when he was playing on the edge, and he he showed. You know, he certainly showed a lot. But the absolute insistence on never looking when you pass, I think it's it's okay when you're playing a number 11 slash 12 role to do that sort of thing. But when you're the number six, you're going to have the ball in your hand more. I think I'd probably like him to at least sometimes know where he's passing the ball. But yeah, it'd be I, helpful, wouldn't it, to actually it, know it where would. the ball's going to land? Like, I'm confident um, that he's guess, he's got the talent. It's whether or not he's got. It's whether or not he's just another Dave Taylor sort of player or another Felidi Matteo, this sort of big guy with skills, but he's who's got delusions of being a five eighth. Just unlike those other two I mentioned, he's getting the genuine opportunity to have a crack at it. Heard a lot a lot of um, talk preseason about how well. Schuster had trained as well. Apparently, he shed a lot of kilos, which again could be testament to the new regime there uh, under Seabold and Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a sincere projection here of the Manly season. Do you think the duo of Seabold and Flanagan will be successful? I mean, so much of it comes down to Tommy Turbo, and we're we're going to be judging not really on anything that Seabold and Flanagan do. Ultimately, we're going to be judging on. If Tommy Turbo's fit, Manly make the top eight. If Tommy Turbo doesn't play more than ten games for the season, then we miss the top eight, and the and it's been a failure. And which, if Tommy were to miss an amount of games and we still were to qualify for the top eight, then I think that's when you can start looking and saying, well, the coaching staff have obviously improved, but. We also just aren't going to know anything until we see how selections go. If there's going to be constant mistakes like the the last year and a bit of Des you're going to be able to look and say, well, you know, it's not working out. There's, it, it, It's just, I, I'm hedging. I'm sorry, I'm not really answering the question, but I just know so little about how things are going to go and what the changes are going to be. I just need to see a few weeks of footy. We all do. You are, mate. You're shucking and jiving. You're showing tremendous evasive skills, and um, it reminds me everything that Brad Parker isn't. Um, And I want to talk, I want to finish actually with Brad Parker because I'm actually a bit of a fan, but the man has no step. He's never tried to avoid a tackle in his life. I'm going to put an idea to you, mate. Do you think that Manly could benefit from relocating Parker to the back row in the forwards or something? Because the one thing that that man is, is a workhorse and he's quite big and strong and he runs in a straight line. Potentially, we should see a bit of a relocation to Brad into the forwards. What do you think about that? I, I don't hate the idea. The guy, the guy, as you say, he, the guy gives his best. And that's one thing I will always respect about Brad Parker is that he puts in the effort in every single tackle, every single game. He's he's there going as hard as he can. He's, you know, bless him, the guy's got very little talent, but you can get away without too much talent in the forwards if you're just a really hard worker. Yep, that's right. And obviously, if it doesn't work out, he could always play William Wallace in Braveheart too. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Um, look, before we get into more rugby league chat, um, Mario, it's something I wanted to bring up with you. I don't know if you saw this. Ed Sheeran's touring at the moment. And he went out and had a concert in Sydney, and I think he's going around Australia and everything. But I saw an interesting news story, something quite uplifting for a lot of people. 
he randomly turned up to the Randwick Sydney uh, Children's Hospital and gave the patients there a one-off performance. And I was talking to someone at work about it today, actually, and they said, oh, wasn't that just a lovely moment? And I said, well, sort of, but on the other hand, haven't the kids suffered enough? I knew you were going to do that. I'm not going to agree, though. Ed Sheeran, although he's not... He's not someone I listen to all that much outside of a few songs. I think he's an extremely talented artist, and and I love the fact that he's doing that. He's done it in Brisbane as well, and today I think it was that he was in Melbourne uh, in a hospital doing the same thing. But is there a chance, Mario, that you know he's trying to give off that um, flavour that he's doing it for some philanthropic reasons, but then he's trying to sort of flog off albums at the same time and, and books and things like that? I bet he's got a merch stand set up in Casualty. Oh, and I'm sure he charges double as well, just figuring he's probably got it set up so that their Medicare will pay for anything they buy. So it's a brilliant system on his part. Mate, uh, back on Rugby League, uh, before we you know venture too far into the uh, bashing of Ed Sheeran, uh, I need to talk about the Dragons. Now, even by Dragons standards, I don't know if you agree with this or not, this off-season's been probably the biggest calamity that I could think of in recent memory, and that is up against stiff competition, because as we know, there's at least three or four arrests for the Red V every year. Uh, but on this occasion, it just seems like it's every week something going going wrong down there. Obviously, you've got the biff that just took place between uh, Musgrove and Ravalawa, and you had the arrest of a moan uh, with some alleged hammer attack with his old man i mean i've I've heard about bonding moments with your with your dad that's great go fishing or you know go see a, a ball game or something but i don't know if i could you know get together and go and do a hammer attack that seems like a bit much um but look i want to put this idea to you because this is a just a crime riddled club and it just seems like it's not going to stop you know in the same way that you know peru had to shut down machu picchu because of the crime wave i'm actually in favor mario of shutting down cogra for a while I know it's an extreme measure, but, you know, I think they should just put some police tape up, interview all of the witnesses, start a hashtag for the victims, um, and just really Harvey Weinstein the whole place, because I think that's the only way that the Dragons are going to learn. But I'm keen to get your thoughts. I think it's a bit unfair of you to suggest there's any sort of an issue with the Dragons, given that, you know, the absolute upstanding citizen Jack DeBellin was asked just the other day if there's a cultural problem at the Dragons, and he stated that there is not. So as far as I'm concerned, that's case closed. I think Ben Hunt also said that there was no culture problem, and it is really a pig-headed unwillingness to stare facts in the face, isn't it? Because you have to say, just on on a rap sheet basis, they've sort of committed more crimes collectively than Robert Downey Jr. did in the 90s. It's it's off the charts. So to suggest that there is some kind of cultural problem seems like uh, you are stretching the truth a little bit. You you didn't even mention murderous Frank Molo and his, you know, the statement the poor old Dragons Digi had to put out just this week as well. I mean, what a what a busy off-season that poor guy's had. Yeah, as you said, busy is the word, isn't it? Because I think it'd be difficult, even if you're a seasoned felon, it would actually be difficult to fit this many crimes and misdemeanours into one off-season. And in, in one way, you probably have to congratulate the Dragons, um, you know, for the sort of work ethic that they've really put into their own criminality. And for that, I do. I dip my hat to it. Um, and I know it's one of Hook's KPIs as well. You know, he's got the players going, you know, if you hit 10 crimes for the off-season, you will get a salary bonus, which is a bit controversial at the time. But you can see that the players are aspiring to it. So I don't know if you heard James Graham, the great ex-Dragon and Bulldog, talking about this. And they say, put to James, I think it was on one of those radio shows, they said, James, what do you make of this? As an ex-player, what's going on down there? To which Graham replied, 
well, the real problem is they've got someone snitching, uh, referring to the beef between Musgrove and Ravalawa. Is that the problem, Mario, that there's there's a snitch down there, or is it the fact that they're sort of taking ha- hammers and chairs and bashing each other over the head with them? Is it really snitching when Aaron Woods just came out and did it on radio very publicly? Like, he, he, came, <laughs> he, did, he wasn't woodsy, snitching. Yeah, well, I mean, he did it publicly. He just came out and, and said that about all these problems. Like, it wasn't subtle. And you have, to, I do have to say that Channel 9 and Foxtel need to stop calling Tabuai Fado the hammer because clearly that nickname has gone to a new, you know, a new recipient of that nickname. It's, you know, Amon, he owns that now. He is surely forevermore the hammer. Because we give away nicknames a bit too easily. I think we know that as well with... Um with Mr. Staines when we called him the Forbes Ferrari before we knew he was completely shit. That was a bad thing to do. You don't give someone a nickname in their debut match either. That is an absolute faux pas. But I will say that with um, with Fado, he's definitely lost the mantle of the hammer because there are people with the Red V who are prepared to live that life literally, allegedly. And I don't care uh, what Fado thinks about it. He can put that in his pipe and smoke it. He'll have to find another nickname. Yeah, I guess in a cruel twist of fate for the Dragons, the one bright spot that I thought I could look at in 2023 for them was um, Cody Ramsey, who I thought you know had a, oh. a pretty good season by his standards. And I think he's a real great up-and-coming kid. And he's being diagnosed with this colitis of the bowels, which is effectively going to keep him out for the whole year, which is a tragic blow. I put it to you, Mario, is there a chance, and I'm just speculating here, is there a chance that Ramsey's colitis has come about because he's had to consume so many of Hook's putrid game plans? <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose that makes sense, doesn't it? Too much shit build up inside him, is that how it works? Because it was just getting fed to him by Hook? I think so, just a complete build up in the same way that if you don't have enough bran, you will just get that sort of compacted... Uh, shit in your bowels and I think if you were to take sort of 24, 25 games in a row of game strategy uh, which were horrendous consecutively eventually your bowels will cease working and and no matter how many laxatives or or mints you eat or dried apricots or whatever your poison is when it comes to getting your your bowels moving again, none of that will help because you've had too much of hook I mean Cody um, Ramsey I'm wondering how many other dragons are affected by all this well, I guess we'll find out how many of them are wheat biscuits. Cody Ramsey clearly isn't. He's obviously, you know, downing the Cocoa Pops every morning and not getting enough fibre to, to clear himself out. Does this all reflect badly on Hook? I mean, this seems like a no-brainer of a question, but, you know, when your entire squad routinely commits crimes like this, I can only assume it means you haven't quite got control of the playing group. Would you agree? I think it's an absolute definite. I mean, he's too busy at his at his little meeting, his little clan meetings, that he can't actually pay attention to the team, and he expects Ben Hunt to coach the team as well as run it, you know, captain it. So it doesn't really seem fair on poor Ben Hunt. But I suppose he's getting the wages of you know two or three people, so maybe it is only fair that he do two or three jobs. Is it true, Mario? And you you have an inside run on this, but is it true that Hook turns up to regulation games just in the normal white hood? But when it comes to sort of crunch games, whether it's a must win, he wears the purple one, you know, that's held by the, the Grandmaster. Well, it's hard to know because I don't think he's been involved in anything that resembles an important game in, a, in his entire career, has he? It's very true. That's a great point you've, you've thrown my way there. And if there's a player that I really feel sorry for, apart from obviously Ramsey and his putrid bowels, it's Ben Hunt because he, he had a cracker of a season 
last year. And you, you do have to wonder, don't you, Mario, if someone can continue to keep that kind of form up in a club which is quite literally burning to the ground uh, because they're 5'8", set a fire there. Um, how, you know, the motivation for him to keep that form up and, of course, have the cattle around him to sustain that form, it seems remote to me that he'll be able to do that. It's really sad that it's too good a career to have been wasted this way and never win a premiership. It's, you know, you look at some of the absolute scrubs that do that have won premierships over the years, and it's honestly quite astounding that with the sort of form that he produced last year, that he he's never going to win one. Now it seems highly unlikely he ever will, unless somehow he earns a you know retirement contract at the Storm. Mm, he's the only guy that's literally let it slip for his fingers, the poor bastard. But he's recovered quite well from that 2015 incident, I have to say. I did I did make jokes for three years straight after that grand final, and it took three years for that to be out of my system for me to go, actually, I like you, Ben. And then he went on to actually capture, I think, his career best form last year, so I felt very good about it. And then this happens, Mario. I mean, it's a cruel twist of fate. I think Cowboys fans liked him a lot after 2015. Oh, they've got statues of him up there. Yeah, Do you know a... that he's um he, he didn't sign up to it, but he's actually a sponsor for one of their local butter brands. I mean, he doesn't see any any dollars from that contract either, which is again another cruel twist of fate. Uh, but look, let's not hover on the dragons too much because I know we're um this is our first episode, and I'm a terrible timekeeper, so we need to sort of push on. Before we get into our predictions for the season ahead, Mario, I wanted to just quickly finish on the new franchise entering the competition. Um, what have you seen of the Dolphins so far? A lot of people are shitting all over their heads. Lots been documented about the lack of marquee talent they've been able to attract. Uh, Wayne Bennett not necessarily having the same Kavorka magnetism that he once had. Having said that, um, Wayne is not one to have a record of coaching teams to a spoon. So I don't think I'm buying into all of that. But I want to get your impressions first and foremost on what you've seen in the trials. From what we've seen, a bunch of chubba chups running around getting flogged by not very good teams in the first place. It hasn't exactly, you know, been pointing towards a successful season. Wayne Bennett can be the Svengali all he wants. He's not keeping these guys off the bottom of the ladder. Even the Warriors and the Knights, as shit as they are going to be, are not bad enough to keep the Dolphins off last place. Look, I'm going to agree with you in this sense, Mario, in the sense that it they do seem like a pack of anonymous people. I've seen a more recognisable cast of characters on season 12 of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. There's, there's no marquee player, which is a concern. Um, and I want to know, is there anyone in the sites that could be a good mid-season transfer option? I think it's already emergency stakes for the Dolphins where, you know, their, their pre-season raids on players like Cameron Munster were obviously unsuccessful. If they're trying to land a marquee player, what are they hoping for? Because I'm thinking maybe it's a mid-season controversy. They're sort of praying that someone like Jack Whiten thumps the wrong cop or Ben Hunt gets done peddling fake COVID vaccines or something like that because they really need something to go wrong at another club so they can swoop in and steal someone, I think. Well, I, I'm pretty generous, you see. As, as a Manly fan, you know, I like the Dolphins. I'd like them to do well. So I'm willing, reluctantly, to offer them Sean Kepi and Morgan Harper. Oh, that is very generous of you, mate. And what would you ask in return? Uh, that they take them immediately. <laughs> Just take them off your hands. Yes. That's all you need. I mean, yeah. and No, that is good. Sean Kepi. I didn't know you still had Harper. Yeah, he was supposed to go to the Eels, but we didn't want to pay for, you know, extra money for Nathan Brown, just just for the privilege of getting rid of Morgan Harper. Is he still winning Lionel Richie lookalike contests on the Northern Beaches? 
Oh, I think I think it's an absolute gimme. You see him regularly out at DY Hotel doing their their Friday night karaoke, and he just sing, singing hello every single time. And people, you know, they they love the consistency that he offers. I mean, I'm wondering if you could make a living off that. I mean, if I look like Lionel Richie, and obviously I don't look like him at all. I used to in my youth when I could black up and do blackface, but that's not on. You can't do that anymore. Uh, but even so, I've aged terribly, so I don't look a lot like Lionel anymore. But if I did, and I could see an avenue for potentially making revenue and making a living. I think I'd trade in my entire career to just travel around the world and winning Lionel Richie lookalike competitions. Um, would you take up that same offer if it was open to you? I mean, I would take up any offer that got me traveling around the world. I'll be, I'll be honest. But yeah, that sounds like a pretty decent lifestyle to me. And if I get to play a little bit of rugby league for the team that I love. Once in a, you know, once every six weeks or so, while still maintaining a decent income, then that sounds like a double bonus. Do you think? And be serious here. Do you think, if given the opportunity, you could pick the Dolphins out of a rugby league lineup, or are they just simply too anonymous? Well, it's pretty easy, as I said, because they do just look like a a chubba chup or a paddle pop. So you just look for the worst jersey possible, and that's how you're going to find them. Is there a chance that um, they might still be able to land the signature of Joran Schoenmacher, oh. you know, the guy that plays in the German league that was setting the world alight during the World Cup, apparently? I mean, I think that I, I don't understand why they haven't yet. The, it was, you know, almost a golden boot winner. I think it was a. It's silly that he hasn't made the team yet. And the fact that Brody Croft has signed a 47 year deal over there and remains unsigned is also an absolute disgrace. Mm. I mean, Joran, we should point out, a little asterisk there, Joran was included in the finalists for the Golden Boot because of, you know, some fairly woke inclusivity policies. But it was interesting he was there. And you'd think if the Dolphins were trying to get a marquee player, uh, not necessarily marquee in the talent sense, but just in terms of having a profile, it would be nice for the Dolphins to have their guys run out in the 17 and have the crowd recognise someone. And I think they would recognise your run because he was a bit of a novelty joke there during the World Cup, wasn't he? Because he was running around at his clogs. And we enjoyed that. And I, I've actually heard a rumour that they have actually approached him already, Mario, but he was too busy washing his pubes because he didn't know who the Dolphins were. So I think they are a little bit of trouble in the talent sense. But I'm going to put another thing to you here. Wayne Bennett... Now, I've heard a lot of people um, shitting on Wayne in the last couple of weeks because I've tuned right back into the rugby league zeitgeist. And I have a little bit of an issue with this because so many people I listen to, and you may be one of them, Mario, so let's get right into it. I think I might have heard you bashing him on um, Hypothetic, actually, so this will be good. Um, a lot of people have the Dolphins finishing flat last or at least second last at best. Do you think in anyone's right mind that a Wayne Bennett coach team regardless of who they are can't beat at least two sides home in the NRL competition I think it's absurd to think they're going to come last they definitely won't and they won't come second last either danger is maybe bottom four but I actually think they might even be outside of that because have you seen the Newcastle Knights play you know have yes. you seen the type of footy that they've turned over I mean just for example do you, have you seen the preseason of the St George Illawarra Dragons are you really thinking that a Wayne Bennett coach team is not going to beat at least those two clubs home. I mean, be serious here. Somehow, I... It, it, look, I'm really surprised. So I don't know if we're going to go through our ladders in order, but because when I did a prediction of the ladder 
it, it's turned out quite different from how my um, ladder predictor on the NRL.com website has put the teams. And I've ended up with teams, a couple, the Knights, for example, doing a lot better than I expected. Winning, I, I, in my head, had them winning two, maybe three games. And, you know, the ladder predictor, I've got them winning six, which is bizarre. Not something I expected. I, I do think the bottom, the bottom five are pretty much a gimme. I don't see the bottom five being much different from what they are unless Appy Coruscant gets injured, in which case the Tigers can also slot into that bottom five if that were to happen. Can I just interject for a second here, mate? You say Newcastle will win six games. In your ladder prediction technology, uh, does it suggest those six games are won via forfeit? Uh, no, it's more that some of the other teams around are also really, really bad. So just to clarify... Do you have the Dolphins winning the wooden spoon this year? I do. I have them winning anywhere from zero to five games in my head. But each time I looked at the line, you know, the who they were playing and when, it was just like, uh, Dolphin lost, Dolphin lost, Dolphin lost. Do you think it'll be seen as a failure by the NRL if uh, the Dolphins enter the competition and only uh, manage to win one game? Because well, yes, that's not I... exactly what the NRL want from a new franchise, is it? I definitely think that would be a failure by the NRL. I mean, putting them in in the first place was a questionable decision, but I think they're cert- as far as I'm aware, there's no salary cap dispensation for them. They're not being given any sort of special treatment, which I think is madness. Like, I don't think you need to go quite as over the top as the AFL did with Gold Coast and whatever that Sydney team was, but certainly you know a, a few hundred grand or something off the salary cap just to give them a little bit more to play with would have been fair enough i would have thought yeah well look as a roosters fan i can tell you that it's a great thing when they give you salary cap dispensation ours is 110 years and going strong so i can say we've benefited from it and i hope the dolphins do eventually get some dispensation as well but look given their their sort of unique anonymity in the competition barrier and the fact that you think they will fall flat on their face should the Dolphins just sort of bite the bullet here and become a duck org and just start asking for donations, become a charity? Because then I think the expectations are lower, aren't they? That instead of going out there and running out as a rugby league club as such, you can sort of essentially become the rugby league equivalent of Beyond Blue and just say, look, we're doing this for fun. You know, we're not here to win, but we're here to raise some money. You can actually even toss out the whole Dolphins logo and change it to a a giant cap sitting upside down with some coins in it to say, yes, we are a charity. I mean, is that an avenue they could pursue, you think? I think it only makes sense that they should just, their entire season should just be a tour of following Ed Sheeran from hospital to hospital. That should be a charity, shouldn't it? The thing about Ed Sheeran is he doesn't do anything for free. As I said, he did a real whip round after he sunk to those kids with cancer and he he cleaned out all their pockets of change because the man is essentially a commercial whore. So I don't know if that's the answer. Um, I should say, because we are running out of time, we're just going to push on Mario and just give some um, interesting predictions for the, for the year ahead. And I'm not going to, we're not going to go right through everything and every team. So I'm just going to fire three or four questions at you and you just give me your honest responses. And this time, if you don't mind, could you just lay off the hate speech? Because last time I asked this, I don't know if you remember the corresponding episode last year, you, you said some pretty bad racist shit. The and, poor old um, dragons. Cleaned did, up your act. The dragons copped it from me last year. I do remember that. You know, tone it down a little bit and, and show a bit of decorum. Um, so the first question for you, Mario, is this. Which team, in your opinion, will fall the greatest amount of positions on the ladder from last year? 
it's a it's pretty much a tie, and you're not going to like this between the eels and the roosters. Interesting. Okay, and so I, I think I can. I'm, I'm imagining the eels will be because they have lost at least two really good players in in Papalihi and why am I blanking on the other one? And Reed Marnie, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they're two really big losses. Um, I'm interested as to your logic with the Roosters because I think we only finished sixth, so I assume you might have us falling out of the eight. Oh, okay. I forgot you finished that high, that low. Okay, maybe you're not going to be that big a dropper. I, I, I've got the Roosters in eighth because I'm really sadly not expecting Angus Crichton to play much at all this year. I think that news has been particularly horrible news this week, but I... I think for you guys, it's going to affect you a lot. That's a really a big loss because I, I think he was in a great form last year and offering so much. The other one is that I think the drop-off from your halves is so steep to your you know third-choice half that I'm concerned that you know Kiri doesn't really have a, the ability to stay on the field too often. Sam Walker's not that big. For both of them to stay fit and healthy the whole season is relying on a lot. So I, I just, in the end, I had the Roosters losing a whole bunch of games uh, by one or two points in really tight games to the other pl- other teams. And I think they had a bit of a tougher draw. So when I was doing my ladder predictor, it just seemed to quite often come up where I was like, ooh, who's going to win that? And I just kept picking the other team more often than not. I think you're mm. not going to miss the eight. And I think it could go anywhere from that fifth to eight range i just had you just just sliding that bit more than i had originally thought i my original thought for you guys was first or second and making the grand final but i just do think with this angus Crichton news that i I think that that's going to make a huge difference and a bunch of close games are going to go against you yeah it's certainly not good news about angus and obviously wish him all the best and yeah he was in tremendous form last year and and you make a good point there with the halves um, but I don't know if you're aware of this. We've got a pretty damn good backup in Drew Hutchison. So I don't know what you're talking about there. He can just step right in. In terms of who I think will fall the most, mate, I think it's already been well documented on the show. I'm going to say the Dragons. I think they finished 10th last year. I don't see them getting within Kui of that, um, given yeah, nor do I. not just the preseason, but you know the fact that Hook is still there, um, the fact that... Um, you know, that they were sort of falling apart a little bit at the end of the last season anyway. I can't see any major gains, only losses. For me, it's going to be a long, hard season for the Dragons. So I'm actually predicting them for the spoon. So for me, it'll be a big drop for them. But I want to go to the next question, mate. Uh, your individual surprise packet, if there was one player, for good or for bad, who's going to shock the rugby league public this year in 2023, who will it be and why? Uh, I've got two, actually. I think um, one of them revolves around my own, my own club, and it's going to be Ko Weeks. I think he has been really good coming up in in Manly's lower grades, and I think everything is there to suggest he's going to get a bit of game time this season. The fact that he's going to be a fourteen in round one certainly you know indicates that way. I think he's going to have a lot to offer, and I think by the middle of the season, I'm actually expecting him to perhaps be our back up half ahead of um, the Johns boy. Uh, so I've got a lot of hope for him to have a re- really successful season. The other one I've got is Tom Gilbert for the Dolphins. I think he is, because of the rest of the 
the forward pack being so damn old, I think a lot of their energy and and go forward, he's not necessarily going to be their number one go forward guy, but I think he's going to be the guy that brings a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the pack. And often when it's needed, he's going to be the one showing them where you know how to do it and where to go. So I think he's going to surprise a few people who, you know, some. I think most people in the NRL Twitter podcasting community probably know a lot about him, but I feel like the average NRL fan who's maybe not quite that engaged won't know him that well. And so he's my other pick for the big, you know, the big talking point in terms of improvers. He's a really good rugby league player, Gilbert. I'm I'm a big fan of him, actually. He's one of those, like some people come out of the womb as rugby league players. I feel like Gilbert's one of those people where they're just, they're just consummate professionals. They're just effective. They're just effective rugby league people. I think you think of like Corey Parker, for example, where you just go, you could only have ever played rugby league, I think. Um, So, yeah. Well, especially being such a monumental cunt that Corey Parker was, that is. (laughs) Can we put allegedly there, even though it's not a crime? I feel like we should. Um, that should be our hashtag for the season, <laughs> I think. Look, mate, we are running out of time, so we will probably wrap it there, but I will give my surprise packet before we, we head off and hang up the mic. Uh, for me, don't laugh at me too loudly here, um, I, I'm going to say my surprise will be Josh Reynolds to hold down a regular spot in the top 20 for the Dogs this season. He apparently, he's trained the house down. I think he's got in there under false <laughs> pretenses. He's gone in there saying, yeah, I want to be part of the club culture and and help train and mentor the younger guys when really his whole uh, modus operandi was to actually revive his rugby league career. He's actually not as old as people think. He's definitely got a few more years left in him. And let's not forget Josh Reynolds' game never relied on speed or agility. It was always about sort of dogged guile and and cheating uh, and something that the Bulldogs are very well versed in. So I have a feeling just maybe we could see a, a nice swan song for Josh Reynolds. And, um, and it's obviously, it's a good family club be a great place for him to raise his twins he thought he had and um, I say good luck to him <laughs> uh, question for you is there anyone at your club because we haven't talked you haven't talked much about the Roosters is there anyone at your club that you know you as a Roosters fan think that it might take non-Roosters fans by surprise by stepping up and and being an, and a big improver to add something to your team Mate, if I was to give you my, my reflexive opinion on that, I actually, and I don't think you're a fan of this guy, so I have a feeling it's going to be met with some resistance. But given Brandon Smith, for me, I think he's a, he's a bloody good player. But one thing I never really thought he was was an 80-minute player. So in other words, you know, the Roosters going to have to have someone come off the bench and do a job in that hooker role. And I'm just praying it's not Hutch. I really am. Um, but they've brought uh, Turpin into the squad, who I know has had up and down form um, up at the Broncos. But you know, I've actually seen him play a handful of pretty effective games, and I just at that feeling that maybe he could become that great twenty-minute dummy half specialist and actually have a good season, play a role, as they say. Um, he's, for me, he's certainly not an eighty-minute player, but with the kind of unique hooker um, role that Brandon has, which isn't a very traditional number nine. Um, he's, he can be a little bit shoddy on the passing, but he's a tremendous running number nine, very powerful, almost a back rower type. You know, to come on with that blend of someone like Turpin, who's a lot more of a traditional hooker, could be just the right foil for us around the ruck. Um, so I'm going to put a prediction out there that Turpin will actually have a really good season off the bench. Because apparently there's okay. no Connor Watson. He's injured for at least the, at least the first month or something. I assume that he was probably going to play that role. Um, 
to be honest. I'm, I'm jury's out on Connor Watson. I'm still not his greatest admirer. I think he's got big weaknesses in his game. So, and he, and to me, he's one of those guys that doesn't really have a specific position. I never know where Connor Watson should play. He's sort of been played everywhere, and he does it all in, to a sort of mediocre standard. But what yeah, Turpin he's brings your is Kurt specialist. Man. He is. He's our exactly. He's our Kurt Man. Uh, which is, is sort of something, it's not exactly a coveted title. You don't want to be a Kurt man of your club. It's uh, shades of Mark McClendon, and you don't want that either. So, um, yeah, look, hopefully um, having a specialist hooker like Turpin will actually help out the club a little bit, and they'll work in tandem. Pretty excited and G'd up for the season ahead, Barrio. You know, I know that when Dragons fans aren't, and apologies to Giannis, we haven't brought him up yet, but we've spent, I'd say, 75% of the podcast absolutely relentlessly bashing his club, Mario, and that wasn't done with the inner intent. We have nothing but love for Giannis, but my God, they've got a long season ahead and even a longer trial, I, I suspect. And in the few minutes we have, we've got two minutes left on our record. So instead of talking about rugby league, I'm just going to put this one to you. How do you feel about the Roald Dahl controversy? I think the people, whoever owns Roald Dahl is just simply following the tried and true path already demonstrated by the Dr. Zeus um, people who simply, they found books that weren't selling. No one was interested in them. So they, you know, air quotes, leaked uh, story about some, you know, cancellation and all that sort of stuff and word changing. And all of a sudden, the morons in the right wing who just believe all the crap they're fed just rushed out to buy them just to just to counter the whole cancel culture. And the Roald Dahl people have done the exact same thing. They've just said, okay, look, we will need to sell some more books. Let's get some numbers up. Let's just go the whole anti-woke brigade and get them buying our books. Interesting. So you think this whole thing was a commercial ploy? 100% it was. I have zero doubt that's what it was. And I say good luck to them. It was a, a clever ploy that apparently seems to be working. Almost blasphemous, Mario, that this commercially successful, globally renowned author, I know he's a cunt in his personal life, but his books, Mario, were still bought and running off the shelves in you know probably 125 different countries. So I'm not sure about that. Seems very cynical, but I'm going to put this to you. My biggest issue about the replacement words they used was subbing out fat for enormous. Now, I've got to tell you, Mm-hmm. I get called fat a lot. That's fine. You know, I've got the dad bod at the moment. That's my fault. I have no problem with that. But if someone comes up to me and says that I'm enormous, which is which is the word that they've substituted for fat, enormous is how you describe an African elephant. All right, there is or Gina Reinhart. That there, it's it's not the adjective you want to use uh, when applying to someone's physique. So I think my biggest problem here is not, you know, woke versus conservative. It's the fact that they've used words which I think have greater heft, if you don't mind the pun. I think they're actually more offensive than the original ones. I I agree with you completely. But, and the word that stood out for me was getting rid of the word ugly and, re- rele- and keeping the word beastly in there for that description. Now, I've described myself as ugly on many occasions in my life. Doesn't really concern me. But if people start calling me beastly, I find that a little bit more offensive. I think so. It's tantamount to calling someone a gargoyle beastly. I mean, exactly. you can't have that. Much prefer ugly. And, and of course, if you take away ugly as a descriptor, how on earth would you ever describe someone like Michael Wayman? Michael Wayman.